Hey, there we go. Um, my name's Kirsten, and I work here on staff at the house. And if you have been with us this semester, you know we are going through a sermon series called Felt Bored Jesus, um, or in my case, Chalkboard Jesus, because David made fun of my felt board cutouts the other week. So here it is, Chalkboard Jesus. Um, but we decided to go through this sermon series back in the summer because we recognized that we have been told a ton of stories just in Sunday school at VBS through church camps that maybe aren't told right or that we miss the full picture of the story. That's why I had John tonight read the entire chapter of 1 Samuel 17 for you guys. Um, if you haven't picked up on it, today's story is David and Goliath. But how often do we actually read that whole story? How often do we actually see that people celebrated because David was holding this guy's giant head and taking it through a city? Like we forget that kind of stuff as we just hear it and know it from Sunday school. Um, the story of David and Goliath usually gets misinterpreted in a couple of ways. The main way we see it misinterpreted is we always hear it as this story of an underdog. So whether you grew up in church or not, you've probably heard like the sports analogy of the little team that beat the big team, and it was David versus Goliath, or when you're trying out for something and you're not supposed to make it, you're David and the other person's Goliath, and it's a story of an underdog. So I have a clip tonight that we're going to play from a movie called Hoosiers, and it just is going to give us a picture of really what our misperception of the story of David and Goliath is. So take a look. We've been all over this before. Their top player is Boyle, number 15. He uh, averages about 20 points a game. Buddy, you got to stick right with him. No inside penetration. Shut down those passing lanes. And you've got to play tough off those boards. Negate their height advantage. Hickory, it's time to take the floor. I'll get Preacher. Okay. Uh, we're way past big speech time. Huh? I want to thank you for the last few months. It's been very special for me. Anybody have anything they want to say? Yeah. Let's win this and for all the small schools who never had a chance to get here. I want to win for my dad. Let's win for Coach. You got us here. Thank you. With God of Heaven, it is all one. To deliver with a great multitude or a small company. For the victory of battle standeth not in the multitude of hosts, but strength cometh from heaven. And David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone and slung it. And it struck the Philistine on the head, and he fell to the ground. Amen. Amen. 
love you guys. David and Goliath is not just a story about an underdog and a basketball team beating another basketball team. The other big misconception that we often hear and focus on when we read the story of David and Goliath or see it is that the story of David and Goliath is a story about Goliath. Throughout history, writers and painters have really just spent this obsession and this focus upon Goliath. We can put up a couple of these pictures. Um, you'll notice as we scroll through the pictures, a common theme in all of them. You can keep going through them. In all these pictures, we only focus on, this is my favorite. It's <laughs> so funny. Um, okay, but in all, all of, you can go back to another regular one. In all the pictures, what we see is Goliath. We see how big he is. We see his armor. We see all of that. But in none of these pictures do we actually see the face of David. Even the writer of Samuel, if you were listening as John was talking, he goes into so much detail about everything he was wearing and his size and his armor. Yet the story of David and Goliath is not a story about Goliath. So tonight, instead of us going through and looking at a story of an underdog, or is looking at a story of Goliath, we're going to look at a story of two kings, David and Saul. A little backstory for them. Saul had been anointed king over Israel. He had been given the spirit of the Lord and taken the Israelites to victory against the Philistines multiple times. However, he had disobeyed the Lord. And so the Lord removed his favor from him. And then during this time, he then had Samuel the prophet go and anoint David to be the next king. But nobody knew this. And so this scene, David and Goliath, this battle is happening. This is kind of the turning point for these two kings. It is the uprising of David, and it is the demise of Saul. And so tonight, we're going to look at what these two kings and how these two kings viewed the Lord differently. See, people saw Saul, the Israelites, as they saw him as this great king. They followed him. He was said to be head and shoulders taller than all other Israelites. So they totally respected him. But the Israelites just saw David as this little shepherd. His dad saw him as a cheese bearer. His brother saw him as this kid that liked to watch fighting. Goliath saw him as food for animals. But God saw both of these kings at one point as anointed and as filled with the spirit of this God. But like I said, these two men saw God very differently. And because of their different views of God, it led to kind of their effects. It led to this rise of David and the fall of Saul. And tonight, how we're going to be doing this is we're going to look at the way that Saul and David looked at Goliath. Because when we look at ourselves and the way we view the enemy, it oftentimes shows us how we are actually picturing God. 
So before we jump into all this, I'm going to pray for us tonight. Father God, uh, thanks for telling us stories. Um, You are exciting, um, and I am so thankful that you are victorious, that you give us victory, that you care enough to fight with us and for us. So tonight, teach us that. Thanks again for your stories. In your name, amen. So Saul sees all of the reasons not to fight Goliath. But David, he sees the only reason to fight Goliath. As soon as Goliath comes on the scene, verse 10, we see Saul literally paralyzed with fear. He sees how giant, literally, this man is. He sees all his armor. He sees these sharp and powerful weapons. So he freezes. Saul looks at the threats that Goliath gave and says, okay, this must be true. He lets the enemy call the shots. One-on-one combat was not like a common thing that the the Israelites did. So the Philistines saying, okay, you're going to, come down and fight us. That was them calling the shots. And actually, the Philistines thought that they had an advantage because oftentimes the nations, um, other than the Israelites, looked at the God of the Israelites and said, their God is only a God of the hills. So if we fight them in a valley, then we'll win. So Saul saw these things and was like freaked out and retreated. And the interesting thing is that before Israel had a king, and they wanted one, they told God, they said, God, give us a king, because all the other nations have one, and we want a king to go before us and fight our battles for us. So we look at Saul. He was said to be head and shoulders taller than all the other Israelites. He had armor. He offered it to David. He was powerful, and his job was to fight the battles for these Israelites. Yet, we watch him reacting in fear and just seeing all of the reasons not to fight Goliath, and he stands back. We see David. See the only reason to fight him. He hears that the armies of the living God are being invaded, and he knows that they are not welcome in the life of these Israelites. And he hears the name of the Lord being shamed, being defiled. And he does not stand for that. He, in fact, knows the scripture. Leviticus 24 says, If anyone blasphemies the name of the Lord, he surely must die. The entire congregation should stone him. So sure enough, David stones Goliath. Thought that was pretty fun. Um, the, other, the other thing that David does, and it's really, really neat when you look at Scripture in a whole context. So chapter 16 of 1 Samuel is David being anointed. And so the Lord has just brought Samuel to David to anoint him. And the Lord tells Samuel, man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So then in this chapter, we get a really great picture of what it looks like for somebody to look at the heart and not the outward appearance. David isn't freaked out by how big he is, his armor. In fact, all he does is say, that uncircumcised Philistine, 
He doesn't give him any more than that. He sees that, yes, Goliath is confident in his armor and in his size and natural ability, but that's all he's confident in. He does not have a God to be confident in. David sees past the threats and recognizes that they're not truth. I mean, we see the whole Israelite arm, our whole Philistine army just scattering and running as soon as Goliath dies. They don't follow through with their will be your slave if he dies. David sees the reason to fight, to not allow an invader into the Lord's army, and he responds to that battle. Saul sees the Philistine, sees Goliath's threat as really only affecting him. But David sees the effect of the enemy on all of Israel. It's kind of interesting to think that this concept of a shepherd ties all throughout Scripture. Because both of these kings were both shepherds at one point. When Saul's introduced in 1 Samuel 9, we see him as taking care of donkeys. And he has his dad's donkeys, and these donkeys get lost. So he goes to find them and then eventually just gives up, goes home, forgets about them. Which is a huge contrast to David, who takes care of sheep, and we hear that he goes and he faces a lion and a bear. He puts himself at risk to care for these sheep. So it's no surprise that these two men shepherd their flocks of Israelites very differently. Saul has an army, and they have been listening to Goliath for 40 days, come out, threaten them, and really just pull down their spirits. Not only are they out of resources, probably, there's not like helicopters that come in and drop the food down and the water. I mean, David was bringing cheese to his brothers. So they are out of resources, they're tired, and they're hopeless. I mean, can you imagine 40 days of somebody coming and threatening you and telling you that you are going to become their slave unless you fight them? What does Saul do? He sits back. He says, okay, if anybody fights them, I'll give you my daughter's hand in marriage, and I'll exempt your family from taxes, and I'll give you some money. But of course, nobody responds to this. Because what they really needed was a shepherd to fight for them, not somebody to react in fear and step back. And then David, the shepherd, comes on the scene, and he sees this flock being attacked. And so he goes and risks his own self to protect them. He doesn't listen to Saul saying, no, you can't do this. He doesn't listen to his brother saying, you can't do it but he knows he's going to protect these people. And he was not even individually threatened by Goliath. He could have gone home and just been fine. But he saw the effects of the enemy as larger than just on himself. As Saul looks at God and looks at the enemy, he sees a bleak presence. He doesn't see God. 
But as David looks at God through the enemy, he sees a faithful past, a victorious present, and a hopeful future. The way that Saul acts as king over these Israelites gives me a picture of the way I think he saw God, a bystander, not present, not there fighting in the front lines with him. He has this very small picture of God. He does not remember all the victories that God led him through in the past in his faithfulness, but all he sees is himself fighting Goliath. Nothing more. But David sees a God that is alive. When he talks to Saul about why he should fight Goliath, he says it simply. He's like, the Lord's been faithful. He protected me from the paw of a lion, the paw of a bear, and now he surely will protect me from the hand of this Philistine. All David needed was this faithful God, and that's all it took for him to believe that he'd be victorious. David also had this much bigger picture of the Lord. We can read in the Psalms and kind of hear a lot of David's heart, but David believed that God was his creator and that he was powerful. And so as he stood in front of Goliath, he didn't see Goliath's largeness because he saw God's hugeness that was much bigger. He was able to step back and have perspective and see that he was not fighting just Goliath, who had a sword and a javelin or whatever, but he was fighting this man alongside of God. And this is what like, the oomph was behind when David looked at Goliath and said these words. This is why I fight, that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give me into your hands he will give me into your, your, you into my hands. He knew he was fighting with the Lord and that the victory would be God's and the glory would go to him. For all of us, Goliath kind of represents our sin, represents these enemies, these things that easily invade our lives. So the question is, how are we looking at this enemy? How are we looking at this sin? Because that's going to give us a huge perspective on how we see the Lord. Do we see the enemy as Saul does, as something that's unconquerable, something that just affects us, we're the only ones dealing with it, and something we have to deal with on our own? Or do we see it as, the, as David does? Do we see this sin as already conquered, as us having victory over it? Do we see this enemy as something that is affecting a lot of us, not just our own personal self? And do we see ourselves fighting alongside the Lord, this enemy, this sin? Do you choose to respond to this battle? Or do you choose to react and step back 
in fear like Saul did? Do you believe that your sin can actually be conquered? That the enemy can actually be conquered? Or do you see it in the eyes of Saul? You say, my, I have this body image issue and I'll, it's, I'm always going to have it. I'm always going to be angry. I'm always going to hate myself. I'm always going to struggle with forgiveness. And do we, as Saul does, let the enemy call the shots and say, okay, well, yeah, you'll always have it, but maybe if you lose 10 pounds, then you won't have this issue anymore. Or maybe if you get this girlfriend, then you won't lust anymore. Or do we see it as David does and know that it can be conquered? That we are part of God's living army, and so any invader is not welcome in us. Do you see your sin, this enemy, as just affecting you? Or do you recognize it as David did, as affecting those around you? Do you see like Saul does? Where, okay, yeah, my struggle with my body image is just my deal. My obsession, like, over what I eat, over what I look like, over what I wear, and all that time I'm spending isn't really taking any time away from caring and loving and focusing on other people. These negative words I say, this put down of myself out loud, isn't tearing anybody else down. My inability to forgive people, it's not putting people in categories and stinting relationships that I may have that are going to be great and deep. That's only affecting me. Or do you see it like David, where you recognize that sin affects those around you? Or you see other people fighting the enemy and you go and want to fight with them? How do you see God in the middle of it? Do you see him as absent? Do you forget his faithfulness when things get hard? Do you just look at this specific circumstance and not see the bigger picture? Or do you see God fighting with you, that you aren't doing it alone? Because the truth is we have victory. Through Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection, we have it. All throughout the New Testament, we are reminded of the victory we have. 1 John 5, 4 says, For everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. And this is victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one that believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Romans 8 tells us, For we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. It is through Christ that we too have the spirit that Saul and David were given. It is through Christ that we have this victory over sin, over death, over these enemies. This picture of David is a beautiful picture of what Jesus does for us. He is our shepherd. He does rescue us from the enemy. Will we participate in it? Will we respond and believe that victory is ours? I know for me personally, when I look at this story, the part I see myself in 
is not even the part where David gets to Goliath, but everything before it. All of these people just criticize David, and there's all of these hurdles he has to jump over. I look at David's brother just telling him he has an evil heart. And for me, if somebody were to tell me that, I would react in fear and be like, oh my gosh, they think I have a bad heart. What have I done wrong? And I would be frozen and stay there. And then people tearing me down and saying, no, you're not doing that right. Or really myself saying, you're not capable of that. But for me to recognize that victory even exists in those steps before the battleground. One of the hardest things for me is being left out, not included, feeling not accepted. And I have a group of friends that I've kind of just stepped into, and recently I felt pretty distant from them and lots of thoughts of worthlessness and just negative thoughts came upon me. And my, my natural reaction in these situations is really just to react in fear and be like, okay, you guys all be friends. I'm just going to hang out over here. I'm over it. But instead, this time I chose to respond. And I had them over for dinner. I know, it's not like a scary battle. It was a dinner. Um, but this response led to victory over these negative thoughts in my head. It made me realize that I can have a relationship with these people and these lies and this sin don't have victory. So do you guys believe that you have victory? Because you do. Will you see sin? Will you see the enemy as David does? as something that can be conquered, as something that he is there fighting with you in his name. See, as we continue to learn about the story of David throughout the Old Testament, we recognize that David isn't perfect, that he has a lot of brokenness and a lot of his own struggles. But it was the faithfulness of the Lord that allowed him to have victory against Goliath. And it was the faithfulness of the Lord that allowed him to write this psalm. So as I read this psalm, listen to it in light of the story of David and Goliath. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.